Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. God, we thank you for this great day. Uh, we thank you that as we uh, are appreciative of the cooler weather, glory to God, we ask for more of it. Um, and we just thank you that as we dive into your word, you give us ears to hear your word and have understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick recap. That is this. In Acts chapter 8, we see that um, after the, the death of Stephen, and if, for those of you guys who are with us for the first time, what we do is we, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, go through a book of the Bible. Um, so you can guess, if I finish Acts 8 this week, next week will be Acts chapter 9. This is a beautiful thing for me because I love to see us grow as a family, hearing the word as it's written simultaneously. You don't cherry pick different verses and, and, and nothing wrong with topical preaching, but this is just a systematic way of, of, of going through the word. Um, also, what it does is that, have you ever had a bad week? Anybody? Am I the only person that's ever had a bad week? It also, bad month, mom, man, um, or bad year. What's cool at the same time for me is that now that we know what's happening, no one can ever be offended that I'm preaching about their personal life. Um, because you can't be, you can't say anything because it's the next verse. Like, I'm sorry to say if, if anything happens in your life and I say something, not about your life, but that touches something in your world, it was by design by the creator thousands of years ago. It has nothing to do with what I'm picking on anybody. So with that said, Acts chapter 8 is a really cool passage because it tells us um, that after Stephen was stoned, uh, the persecution from a guy named Saul shot through the roof. And it says that he was going after all the Christians. And he was really, if we can use just an easy terminology, there was a, a bloodthirstiness in his heart to go after these people. What's taken place here is that in Acts 8, because of the persecution, they actually did the Great Commission and they left Jerusalem and had to go and spread out across the world because of the persecution that was taking place. In Acts chapter 8, a man named Philip goes to a place called Samaria who were the enemies, if you will, of the Jewish people. Kind of sounds like they've got a few of those today too. He goes to their enemies and he begins to proclaim the word of God and the beautiful truth of Jesus. And instead of his enemies persecuting him, his enemies received the word of God with joy. And an entire area was turned upside down, not by the Apostle Peter, not by the Apostle John, not by any of the great disciples, but by Philip. And then at this moment, Philip is more or less an, a, a, a no-name guy, if you will. Philip at this moment has been serving faithfully in the church. He has been a glorified deacon, if you will. He's helping the widows. He's helping the poor. He's handing out food and resources. But he's not the, the A-list Christian celebrity, if you will. And so what's cool is that God isn't using the big names. He's using the people who have their feet on the ground and their hands in the dirt dealing with the life in and life out people issues. And God, because Philip is willing, is changing this entire region. Because of this, the disciples are like, what's happening in this area? And they run 
towards Philip to figure out what's going on. And they see the miraculous. They see what's moving. And now we're seeing Philip now uh, and the disciples, Peter, uh, doing great works in this area. And now we're going to pick up, I think you left off in verse 25. Is that rough, roughly 24, 25? We'll pick up in chat, verse 26 of chapter 8, Josh. And it says this, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all of her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. It says, Arise and go south. Uh, I love this part because we read this with just this idea that Philip is this super amazing Christian that is just hearing the voice of God and he has no flesh, he has no issues, he has no, no desires. But if I can paint you a quick picture, this is a young man who seemingly was just a, a helper to people who has now, by the grace of God, if I can use some terminology, carved out his own ministry and everybody is amazed at how great this guy, from zero to hero, he's become. And what's the word from God? Leave it. This is the pressure that he's doing. And where does he get to go? He leaves Samaria to take over the largest church in Jerusalem. No. God says, leave this place that has been prosperous in the spirit and go over here. And what does he call that place? A desert. This right now is a huge part in Philip's story. It's a huge part in my story. It's a huge part in your story because what are we going to do in our lives when God tells us to leave the comfortable and not go to the unknown, but when he even describes where you're going as a place that's not good? <laughs> How are you going to respond when God says, hey, hey, everything's going great. I want you to quit that job and I want you to go not to a place I have prepared for you, I want you to go to a desert place. I want you to go to a place where things can't survive. Isn't that what a desert is? A place that things don't grow. A place that things don't inhabit. A place that people don't enjoy. It's a dry, it is a barren, it is a desolate place. And I want you to go there. Who's taking that job? I just think what I would do in Philip's shoes. Here I am, on the a front line man, bust out of, of obscurity into this huge area, and God speaks to me and tells me to leave. And he doesn't just tell me to leave, Ken. He tells me to leave and go to a desert where there's not even a church. There is a man. 
You're telling me, God, your will is to leave the masses just to go after this one guy? Have you lost your mind? I feel like there's three things we would typically say. We would say, number one, Lord, not me. It's easy for Philip to say that. It's easy for him to look and say, Lord, you're calling somebody to the desert, but not it. The second thing I think I would look at and say, uh, God, I'll go, just not right now. Yes to your will. Yes to the desert. Yes to that guy. When all of this slows down and, I, and, and everything calms down, then I'll go. But right now, man, we can't kill this momentum. God, things are moving. Let's just stay where we are. We can't keep doing your, your spirits here. There's a lot of things happening. And the third thing I think we would say is <laughs> not there. Anywhere but there. You want to send me to Rome, you want to send me to Ephesus, but God, you, you want to take me out of a fruitful ministry and go into a desert. And this is honestly, logically speaking, a foolish endeavor. But it's only foolish if it's not from God. Because God will continually take the things that the wise man thinks are strong and make them foolish. And he will take the foolish things to confound the wise. When you're following God's footsteps, it doesn't always logically make sense. But I promise you, there is purpose in every single place he sends you. In Acts chapter 2, he pours out the, the, the Spirit upon all the disciples. And, and earlier in Acts, Acts 8, we see that how Peter and John laid hands on the believers in Samaria. And the Holy Spirit came out and did so many great things. And, and we love that. We love to, to see the Spirit move. We, we love to feel His presence. We, we love to hear the prophetic. We, we love to see the, the altars. But will we give it all up to go to a place that no one wants to go to speak to somewhere where no one wants to hear, but there's one person. I love the cosmos view here because I think what happens is that God is kind of pulling back. And if you can take a second to show you how big he really is. See, a lot of times we read this story and we see Philip go and, and he talks to a guy and this guy gets saved and we move on. And that's a cool story, Philip. Good for you. Yada, yada. But God is showing you who he is, who God is. Because what God is doing is he's awakening Philip to say, go to a desert. Simultaneously, he sent somebody from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to grab a single scroll and to be at the exact same spot where he had sent somebody at what God is showing you here is this, is that I am the creator and the author of all things, including time. So everywhere you go, though it may not make sense to you, if you could see from his perspective, you would see the chest pieces moving for him to say checkmate over something else. Don't be alarmed when God sends you to a place that you don't understand because he may be sending somebody else to the exact same space to have this encounter and this one encounter changed the world. 
You have to understand, as we read on later on, spoiler alert, he gets saved and baptized. And the Coptic Christians that are heavily persecuted in Egypt, in Ethiopia, in all that area right now, all come from this singular man's account of Christianity. They left this one moment. And that's the thing that we have to remember is that when God tells him to move, he doesn't tell him to move to a place of nothingness because he's done with Philip. He tells him to leave the masses so that you can see what I can do with just one person. So don't keep your eyes on the masses, Philip. Don't keep your eyes on the thousands of people in Samaria because what I can do with one Billy Graham, with what I can do with one Billy Sunday, with what I can do with one Candace Marvel can change an entire area for generations to come. Listen, there's a lot of great churches that have a lot of great amounts of people, but are they making great amounts of change? And that's the kicker we have to ask ourselves. Am I the one person who is willing to give it up for the one because that's what God told me to do? Will I step out of my comfort zone for the one? Will I leave the masses for the one? Will I detour the popular opinion for the one? Will I look foolish for the one? Uh, If you don't make, if it doesn't make sense, you're in the right area. While God is not the author of confusion, sometimes he may be called Jehovah Sneaky, um, and, and you don't know what he's doing, but how, I don't know how it always works out. Somehow or another, on the great chessboard of life, God can take a pawn and have checkmate on the enemy's queen. Annihilate the queen, annihilate the king. Do whatever he wants to do because he is the master at strategy. Right now, the world is on fire. And I don't mean metaphorically. There's a lot happening across the world. There's a war taking place right now in the Holy Land. And oh, by the way, in case you forgot, there's a massive war taking place against Ukraine and Russia simultaneously. By the way, Pakistan and India, they're on the brink of nuclear war because they both have nukes. And China, God bless them, they're just trying to, to, to tick everybody off in, the, in that area of the world. Like, how, how are you not seeing what's happening? The world is in chaos. There is a great shaking that's taking place. But be of good cheer because God knows what he's doing and he's got everything under control. And just because he doesn't tell you every step of his plan does not mean he is absent of a plan. His plans are amazing. And I'm going to be hurt somebody's toes for a second because we live in a weird society today. But why doesn't God tell me all of his plans? Can I tell you? It's none of your business. You know, you may work for a massive organization, and I don't believe that your CEO and the CFO and the COO come down to every single person and say, just want you to know what we're doing this week. You know what they tell you? The responsibility of your job and when to do it. It's none of your business. 
When God needs you to know something, He will let you know. And we put our faith in who He is, not all of my information. Because if my faith is in my understanding of His information, my faith is not in Him. And we may not understand the paths. And we may not know all the details. And we may not know every single area that's going on. But one thing is for sure that I can show you time and time again is that even when it doesn't make sense, God has a plan. And when he's ready to say checkmate, nothing can stop it. I know you may have family, and you may have friends, and you may have frenemies, and you may have office staff, and you may have a lot of chatter in your life, but when God is ready to position you, no one can stop that, less you. And the way we stop God's plan is by going, God, I'm not going to take that step until you tell me all your details. And then, even when you tell me all the details like he does to Philip, this is what you're doing, Philip. Philip then goes, yeah, I don't think so. That doesn't sound like God to me. Here's the big thing we need to take out of this very first part of this verse, is that Philip heard the word of God. And this is where everything gets crazy in our society. Because I'm it's soapbox peak time. I feel like I've been out of the pulpit for too long. It's been a week. So here we go. You're going to get a lot. We're living in a world that is absent of hearing the voice of God. Because what we have been taught by the world, and if I can say this, back, back, by the church is, just follow your heart. You know, listen, God wants the desires of your heart. What are your desires? What are your wants? What is it that you want God to do for you? And we run to the Bible and we rub it like a genie's lamp, hoping that he comes out and grants us three wishes. Let me tell you what the Bible says. In Jeremiah chapter 17, this is what the Lord says, Curses the one who trusts a man who draws his strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland and they will not see prosperity even when it comes and they will dwell in parched places of the desert and salt where no one lands. For behold, your heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You don't even know it. You want to follow your heart? You're going to be in the desert land. And it's not going to be with God's call. So what do we do, Pete? How do we finagle all of this? Can I tell you, if I'm always living by my heart, my feelings are fickle, and based on that day, my destiny could change tomorrow. Am I the only one? We're walking this entire world right now with, what is it that I want? And if I am the center of my universe, Mike, we are all in trouble. God is God, and I am not. He designs my steps. I put my faith and my trust that, that in his process and in his plans. I put my faith and my trust that Jesus is going to guide me. Not that I'm going to have all the answers. So how? How do I do this? Because while my desires may seem okay, how do I navigate between who I am, who he is, and who the, who the enemy is? The 
those are the three continual voices that shout in our minds. God's voice, my wants, and the enemy's plans. And you know what's crazy? Not one of them have a different accent. I wish they did. How great would that be? Like if God came in like a British guy. That'd be great, right? I, 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 no offense to anybody, I love these people, but like the enemy coming in Russian, because for some reason in our world, all the James Bond villains are Russian. So like we're like, oh God, that's the devil. Out. <laughs> and then I'm just a mute. I can't hear myself. Like, yeah, that'd be great. That's not what happens. That's not how things take place. So how do you know? How do you discern, Candace? Which one is God? Which one is me? Which one is the enemy? Number one, to discerning God's voice like Philip did in this context, you have to recognize the characteristics of your creator. You also need to recognize the characteristics of your flesh. And you also need to know the characteristics, Bob, of the enemy. Question one, does it sound like God? Not, does it sound good? Not, does it sound fun? Not, does it sound like it could make me a lot of money? Does it sound like God? Last month, my wife and I were on a cruise, and there are thousands of people on this boat. It's the large, it was the largest boat at this, or currently, cruise ship. And, and it's just two of us here, so if you've ever been on a cruise ship, you, you, they, 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 they pile everyone in at dinner time, and you've got your table, and then right here's another table, like, I mean, literally, right there, right here is another table, and then there's two more tables on the outsides, right? And so, uh, because we're not snobs, uh, you meet people, and you talk. And so, here's what's taking place at dinner one night, is I'm sitting there, my wife is talking over here to this couple, I have been talking to this couple at the same time, we're all jumping into each other's stories. Behind us is a table of 10 that have been all day, and they are lit. They are out of control. And then over here, somebody abandoned their kids with spoons, and they're just clacking like they've lost their minds for the entire time. Like, clank, 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 clank. And I'm like, am, am I having a stroke? Who is anybody else hearing this? And I'm looking, everyone's like, kill the kids. Um, and, and it's not because they're babies. We're talking a teenager, just the monkey for the, the tambourines. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Just, but you know what's crazy, Bob, is the moment my wife speaks, I can recognize her voice over everyone else. And it's cool because right now when she speaks, I can tune out all the other noise to hear what she's saying. You ready for this? Your brain does this. Did you know right at this moment, you're actually staring at your nose? Now you see it. It didn't just appear out of nowhere when Pete said no. You're like, oh, there it is. No. But your brain has the ability to go, that's unimportant information. Let's, let's, let's not focus on it. It's used to that. It's used to it being there. It's used to different characteristics of your face. And it just tells your mind, it's not important. Let's move on. Have you ever been walking around and all of a sudden there's a rustling in the, in, in the grass or the leaves or, or something looks a little different and your brain's going, danger, danger, danger. It's telling you there's something different there. 
What happens is this, is the more you know something, the more you're able to tell something isn't right. When I was working at the bank, they didn't give us counterfeit bills, they gave us the real thing, so that when something different came up, we'd go, something doesn't look right. Even if I couldn't identify it, my mind is telling me, it looks close, but there's something not right. And the way that you're going to know God's voice from everything else is by studying who He is. And when you study who He is, you're able to go, nah, it doesn't feel right. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like, it looks good. But mom, sometimes what we have to realize is that good is the enemy of God. Just because something looks good doesn't mean it is God. And the most straightforward to discern God's voice over my life, from my own, from the enemy itself, is by simply knowing His voice. And the only way you're going to know His voice is by spending time with Him. And in the beginning stages of that, you have to know His word. Number two. Because when you go, I'm not quite sure. You need to know the scriptures to show, is this voice telling me something that's against his scripture? Is this voice leading me towards sin? Is this voice leading me towards confusion? Because if it is, it's not his voice. I cannot learn the voice of God unless I can know what his word says. And you know what's great is I don't need a ton of discernment to read his word. When I'm driving down the road and something rises up inside of me because somebody cut me off, I don't need a whole lot of time to go, is that God? Because I want to pit them and spin them around. No, everybody here would say, that's definitely not God. But how do you know it's not God? You know it's not God because His Word clearly says, thou shalt not kill. (laughs) So when we're going through life, the more we know His Word, the more confidence we can have in His voice. His Word is the best search filter in your life. If you've ever done a Google search, and then you've got to click the filter on what you're kind of looking for and the parameters, or you go on Amazon, and you're searching for something, and you're like, I don't know what it was called, but it looks like this, but my friend said it was about 20 to $25, so I'm going to make my search from 20 to $25 and exclude all the other things. Oh, wait, she also said it was silver, so I'm going to take out all those other colors. Oh, she also said that it was this tight, so I'm going to pick in that height. And all of a sudden, your searches get smaller and smaller and smaller. And this is what happens. The more you know the Word of God, all the voices get filtered through, and the noise gets smaller and smaller and smaller, which makes your choices easier and easier and easier. Number three, the voice of God is important to understand because not only do we just, do we, I'm sorry, number three is this, to discern God's voice, you bring it to God in prayer. Number one, know his characteristics. Number two, compare what it's being said to the word. And then if you're still going through it, be like, hey, I'm going to go pray. God, in your presence, did you say this? And he goes, nope, wasn't me. 
James 1.5 says that if anybody lacks wisdom, you should ask God. He gives it liberally. And that happens in prayer. And when you're seeking it out, you constantly ask God, did you say? Isn't that the problem that Adam and Eve did? Is they heard something good, but they didn't go back to God and go, hey, 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 did you really say this, God? This is what he's saying. Did you say this? Before I make a choice and an action, did you really say this? Because if they would have went to him and said, hey, real quick, God, this is what's being said. Help me out. It looks good, didn't it? The fruit looked good to eat. So it's not full of poison. And God wants me to be wise, right? That's what he says. And the devil just said, if I eat this, I get to be wise. So that sounds good too. That sounds like God. And they missed the third step. They should have went to God and go, it looks good. And it sounds like wisdom. What do you think, God? And he would have been like, it's a trap. (laughs) You go to him. Need some more help. Number four, ask yourself these two questions. Number one, does this voice make me see the fruit of the Spirit? If I follow its voice, will I see the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5? In my personal life, and will it be demonstrated to the world? That's an easy question. The second thing I've got to ask is, if I do this, not only is it going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, but also, will it bring the kingdom of God forward? Two questions. A, when I'm listening to these voices, which characteristic is God's? Do it. Okay, okay. It, it, it sounds pretty good with his word. Okay. I went to him in prayer. Can I tell you, has he ever prayed and not heard anything? Am I the only person? I went to him in prayer. He didn't speak. I didn't hear anything. Maybe I'm stressed. So my default is, is this choice going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life and everybody else? And is it going to propel the kingdom of heaven forward? God doesn't tell you to do anything that doesn't produce the fruit of the Spirit and doesn't push the kingdom of God forward. Nothing. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and save all that was lost. And if he's speaking, it's about seeking and saving something. And those seekings and savings happen to do with the fruit of the Spirit and an expansion of his kingdom. You're still stuck, and many times you will be. Number five, seek wise counsel. Not your BFF. Not your hype girls. Not your homeboys. Wise counsel. I'm sure they mean well, and I'm sure that they're great, and they want to see you happy. But seek wise counsel. If there's a spot and you know somebody that loves God, you know what? Here's an easy answer. If you know that Pastor Allen, Pastor Marsha love God, but you don't want to ask them their opinion because you know they're going to say no, that's probably a good sign. Like when wise counsel that you've always looked to, like, you know, it's funny in, in, in my line of work, Bob, that people will run to me and go, what do you think when they want me to agree with them? And they know I'm going to agree with them. But when they know that I won't agree with them, they're nowhere to be found. 
Like, where has, you know, Jane been all this time? I don't know. And all of a sudden her life's on fire. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to ask you because you're so busy. That's not true. You didn't want to ask because you know I was going to say, bad idea. Seek wise counsel. It doesn't have to be me, but somebody that's going to be, that's going to love you enough to tell you the truth. In love. Again, the truth isn't always no. But if the truth is always yes, it's probably not the truth. Proverbs 12, 15. You know, Bob, I hear this a lot. I don't need a pastor. I don't need church. I can just worship God in, the des- in, my, in my house, in my backyard. And if he wants to tell me something, he, he'll tell me. It's fair. God is not stuck here. But Proverbs also tells me that the way of the fool is right in his own eye. But a wise man listens to counsel. So sure, we can separate ourselves from everybody and listen to that voice, but A, uh, Bible says um, the characteristics of God is that he brings people together, right? He unifies people back to the, t- together. He, he even says that it's not good for man to be alone. Characteristic number one. Number two, don't forsake the assembly of the saints. It's what his written word says. Number three, you run to God in prayer and say, God, I don't want to go to church anymore, anywhere. And I just want to do my own thing. And there's crickets. It's probably because he's waiting for you to wake up. (laughs) Because you already know. Number one, number two, we're X. But still, in my isolation by myself, am I demonstrating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Am I demonstrating those things? Well, how can I do that when I'm always by myself? And also, if I'm always by myself, how am I furthering the kingdom of God? Well, that's not the case either. So now when I have all of those X'd out, I'm going to go to counsel and go, oh wait, no, I don't have counsel because I'm the wise counsel. Number six, before I say on my soapbox. To discern God's voice, if you haven't figured out this one, you test every action. Uh, Bill has been here with the Sheriff's Department for 20 20 years on the dot? Right, 20 years on the dot. I would imagine the past 20 years, Bill, you've ran into some narcotics every once in a while. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is that when he grabs some green leafy things, he doesn't just go, sweet. When he grabs some white powder, he doesn't just go, it's Coke. No, you can test it. You can put a little vial, shake it up, and it lights up with different colors. Like, oh, this is what it is. And you have a little chart and you compare that chart and you're like, oh, this is PCP. This is crystal meth. This is whatever it is. And, you're, and you're, you're, you're seeing what it is. And now I can test every substance to say this is what it is. And with accuracy, so accurate that when he takes it to court and the, and the attorney goes, how did you know it was? He can go, it was this test. And they're going to go, oh, that's accurate. It was that. You have to test every voice. The Bible says take every thought captive, pin it against the wall, and challenge it against the Word of God. But Pete, i got to make a decision today. Sign number one that's not from God. 
If you are in a moment where you are making a rush decision, it's not God nine times out of ten. How do I know that? God is not the author of confusion. And when you are getting sacked and you are feeling rushed and you are feeling pressured, you're feeling confused and you're feeling with anxiety. There's not peace there. So if you can't make a decision right now, back away. Back away. I'm not making a call. Will you need to go right now? No, I don't. No, I don't. I have time to make a decision here. And if it squirms and it screams and it cusses and it goes from good to being mean really quick, you saw its true colors. Yeah. Philip listened to the voice of God. He chased after what was being said for him. So he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charged all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in his chariot when he was reading Isaiah the prophet. I love this because this man was of great authority. He did not come by himself. To, to get a, a, a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, he, he didn't find it. He didn't just walk around and somebody was like, 20 cents, 30 cents. Who wants free copies of the scrolls? It was not, Oprah wasn't there. You get a scroll. You get a scroll. Everybody gets. That's not how it works. It's not like the welcome center. Welcome to Jerusalem. Here's the scroll of Isaiah. Like that's not how this worked. So to get a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, it would come at a great cost. And not only would it come at a great cost, he went to Jerusalem all the way there with money in tow. There was no ATM. And you think the queen of Ethiopia at that time, which was humongous area of land, would just have been like, peace out, homeboy. Go have fun. No. This is a man who was in charge of her treasury. So I feel speculating still pretty solid, he had some guards with him. He had some bad dudes. And this chariot that he's on, mind you, logically speaking, if he's towing all of this money and he has all of these guys, it, 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 it's not the gladiators where he's by himself in this little tiny cubicle and he's, yeah, yeah, and he's just roaring. This is a convoy. So when he gets to Jerusalem, A, it's going to make a scene. B, he dropped some dime, which is going to make a scene. And now he gets this scroll, and he's on his way back, and he's reading through Isaiah, and he don't know what he's reading. Not because he's incompetent. He's a smart guy. But right now in this moment, he's reading these words about who? Jesus of all places. And he doesn't get it. So who does God send? A Jesus follower. 
Can I tell you right now, on the outside, he looks like his life is together. He's got lots of money. He's got lots of prestige. He's protected. He's living his best life. But right now, we know that he's absolutely miserable because he cannot grasp the emptiness inside of him. And he goes to Jerusalem to worship, and he sees the temple, and he sees all of those things. But there's still something that he doesn't get. There's still something. He goes, yeah, it looks good. And and yeah, the queen of Sheba was here. And and yeah, we get all the Jerusalem stuff, and and we get all the Jewish temples, and and I'm here to worship, but there's just something I'm missing, and and it looks great. And I'm sure he met with temple officials, and I'm sure he met with a lot of different people and teach me these things, and they would teach him these things. And he's just like, there's still a hole. Can I tell you, every person around you has a gaping hole, and they only can be completely fulfilled with Jesus. So he's sitting there, surrounded by people, with tons of money, and I got, the guy says, I need to get this scroll. I bought the scroll. I'm reading the scroll. I don't get the scroll. I don't know what's going on. Simultaneously, God had told I, uh, Philip, go. And you know what's crazy is Philip doesn't have a chariot. And Philip doesn't have an entourage. Philip doesn't even have a horse. Every single step that Philip takes is an opportunity for him to turn around. You know when you buy a plane ticket and you get on a plane, it's too late. With every step, Philip could have turned around. But his faithfulness to the voice of God and his confidence in the clarity of his words sustained him with every doubting step. And lo and behold... There goes a guy. Now, commentators have different opinions on whether this thing was just slowly walking, whether this thing was even a chariot per se, or was it like the old school where they had him on the, on the poles and he's sitting in this, you know, um, the, you know what I'm talking about? Like they have poles on their shoulders and they're running with this guy and he's just bouncing up and down, which would be hard to read the scroll when you're going up and down. Have you ever seen Hebrew? It's not fun. And so, like you're trying to figure it out. <laughs> The Holy Spirit awakens Philip and says, overtake that. And I feel like Philip says, me and what army? Do you see these dudes? Like, I, I, I'm assaulting a Division I football squad. Like, you seriously want me to take this? So he runs up to the guy. How? Whether he had uh, 4.240 speed or the guy wasn't going that fast, it's whatever. And Philip goes... <laughs> hey, do you understand what you're reading? It wasn't condescending. He wasn't being a jerk. The guy answers, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. As you're reading this story, there's so many different levels of, of pictures that are taking place that he's approaching the wealthy. He's approaching the prestige. He's approaching this amazingly well-dressed man and, and Philip, who's now dirty and disgusting because of all of his walking and sweaty and smelly, is now looking at somebody going, what do I have to offer this man? 
At New Life, as you're walking your walk, you may not have the money and you may not have the clothes. You may not have the prestige. You may not have the job descriptions. But one thing you have is the ability to be discerning by the Holy Spirit to go, let me tell you about what you're missing. The answers of life are not found in their wallets. The answers of life are not found in their portfolios. The answers of life are not found in the degrees, nor is it found in their resumes. It's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And he opens up and asks the guy, what you reading? You ready for this? This is the verse. Verse 32. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare this, his generation? For his life is taken from earth. Pause. Of all the places in Isaiah, Isaiah, for those of you who don't know, isn't three chapters. By this moment, he's in at the 53rd, right? That's what it is. Yeah. The 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Like, I've read some books, and after chapter 2, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> Do you keep reading another 50 chapters? No, you don't. This guy was dedicated. He obviously was hungry. So God sends this man sometime in the past from Ethiopia with all of this money, which backtrack, then he has to get this guy from nothing. He's a eunuch, so he's probably a captive. So back up even further, so God has to orchestrate that sometime in history, his people would be oppressed. His people would be oppressed. There would be a rising up in Ethiopia against his people. He would now be taken captive. He would be captive and sorrowful. He's a eunuch. Now he's working in the kingdom. Now he's moving up in the kingdom. He's hearing about what's taking place in Israel. He's now the treasury of the department of the entire kingdom. He then has the idea out of nowhere to go to Jerusalem to worship. Simultaneously, not 30, not that four years earlier, Jesus was walking the earth doing crazy stuff. Then eventually Jesus dies, comes back from the dead, sends the Holy Spirit, and simultaneously as the Holy Spirit is shaking this area, this man has an unction to show up. And as he shows up, he's reading about Jesus. And we're going to say it's all a coincidence. Isaiah, Philip, looks at this and he explains to this man, who this is all about. He explains that just a few months ago, Jesus was here. You missed it just by a few months, but it's okay. He came back, and not only did he come back, he sent his Holy Spirit. And let me tell you what his Holy Spirit has done in my life. I got saved. Crazy things were happening. I was just serving people. Then I went to Samaria because we were all getting killed. And all of a sudden, miracles break out. He's explaining his testimony to this guy. And it's so convincing and it's so life-changing that in verse 36, it says, As they went down the road, they came near some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What 
what hinders me from being baptized today? And Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, that you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. That's power. I want everybody to stop doing what they're doing. You stop moving where you're moving. Because I'm getting baptized. (laughs) Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more. And he went away, the eunuch, on his way rejoicing. How do we know this happened? Philip left. Anybody? Because this man went back and changed that area to that degree that his story was passed on. Not for thousands of years, because when, when the book of Acts is being written, this isn't, this, this isn't thousands of years. This is really close to when all these events happened. And they would continue to send convoys back to Jerusalem to worship. Hey, where are you from? Remember the story of the eunuch? His story continued to change lives. The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And then Philip was found in the land of the Philistines. We see all of this to tell you this. When you follow God's unconventional warfare steps, generation upon generation upon generation is changed. You know, people say that God doesn't care about the numbers. That's a lie. Because God didn't leave Philip just for a one. He left, he sent Philip to the one. The one that would be a linchpin to change an area. And here's where I get hurt right now. I get hurt right now because I go, if God valued me just like he valued that guy, why would he send the scriptures to me? And he would send the scriptures to me because he sees me as a linchpin to change an area. And he sees you as a linchpin to change the area. And he sees you as a linchpin to change the area. And what we have to do is to say, yes, God, I will expand your kingdom by your word. He doesn't waste an ounce of Jesus' blood on a nobody. God is very particular, Mike, who he chooses. He's very particular on who he sends his spirit to. He's very particular who he makes. No man can come to the Father unless first beckoned by the Spirit of God. And he beckoned you because he saw something in you. And now it's time to do something with that. And today's big thing is this, is as we leave out of here, we focus on his voice and we focus on his word. We focus on hearing it with clarity so that when he says jump, we know it's time to jump. When he says to move, it's time to move. And when he says to, to go, it's time to go. And I won't allow somebody else's wealth, prestige, status be a bigger voice than the voice of God inside of me. Amen? Heavenly God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that as we wrap this up, that you, you speak truth to us today. Shake us, awaken us to your word. 
Let us hear your voice with clarity, with confidence. Let us know that when you speak to us, Holy Spirit, that we say yes and we, we silence the rest, that we are quick to respond to your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.